Look carefully how you live. Not just about going to the store, not just about what you buy, but what we also say. It's part of life, how we live. Look carefully. Pause, ponder, go slowly. How you walk, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of the time. Why? Why should we make the best use of the time? Or some translations say, redeeming the time. Why should we do that? Well, the days are evil, amen? Welcome to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. It is a joy to have you listening today, and we pray that you will be encouraged, challenged, and motivated to live for God like never before. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor John Couch. God, I just think about your goodness. God, when we think about your goodness, it's hard to think about anything else that's going on in our world because we're too focused on you. And that's where we need to be, just focused on you. So God, would you speak in this time? I pray that the Holy Spirit will move with power today. I pray that we will leave changed people. I pray that I will leave a changed pastor. That we will see your word clearly with a fresh lens and that we will be changed. God, do a work in this place today that only you can do. And God, will be quick to give you all the praise, to give you all the glory, because worthy is the lamb that was slain. Worthy is the lamb that went into that grave. But on the third day, the grave could not hold our king. And Jesus Christ reigns triumphantly at your right hand today. God, we love you. You're a good, good father. And we pray this all in the mighty and the matchless name of King Jesus and all God's people said, amen, amen. There in your Bible, James chapter three, and I pray you have that open and ready to go. Looking at verses nine through 12, I should have your notes in front of you. Want to be students of the word, writing down what God speaks to your heart. And that's always the encouragement, by the way, that you're here today. And as Michael was talking about this morning, we all got our junk. We all got our baggage. We all got our challenges. There's not a person in the church house today that can say, hey, I don't have any issues. We all have challenges. We all have issues in our life. And I pray that the Holy Spirit, even right now, is speaking to me, speaking to you. And as he does, I pray you'll write down exactly what he's speaking to your heart. So here in James chapter 3, here's what the Word of God says. And it's a powerful word as we look at this, Taming the Tongue, part 3, with the title, Is My Mouth a Blessing or Is It a Curse? Here it is, James 3, 9 through 12. With it, don't miss that it, we bless our Lord and Father. So check good things so far. Now it just goes off the rails. And with it, we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. Look at verse 10. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. Question 11. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? Just think about that for a moment. He asks some questions here that make you really ponder. Verse 11 again. Does a spring pour forth from the same opening, both fresh and salt water? 12. Can a fig tree, my brothers, bear olives or a grapevine produce figs? Neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. The Word of God is so clear here. We are finishing up part three of taming the tongue and, and the challenge it is. And, and you know it is, I know it is. Again, there's not a person here today that could say that, you know, I got this licked, right? No pun intended. Uh, this is a challenge. This is an issue in all of our lives. No one is immune from this. This is one of those that no one can say, hey, I don't struggle with that. Yes, you do. Yes, I do. We all do. It's part of the life that we live. And I believe, as I mentioned before, that the tongue, when it's out of control, 
is the most rationalized, justified, respectable, acceptable sin in a believer's life. I believe across the board, when you look at all believers across the board, I believe this is the one. This is the one sin that we begin to justify and rationalize. And again, it's not a big deal. And, you know, I don't do all the big sins. And it's, uh, you know, really not a hurt anybody. And it's okay if I, I just speak my mind, right? I just want to say whatever I want. Well, it is a big deal. It hurts. It cuts. And as you think through that, I was just processing where we are in a country. And I don't have to tell you this, but, but we're in trouble. Like, we're in big trouble. Now, I say that with an asterisk. Our God is sovereign, amen? Our God's in total control. He's not like in the heavenlies today going, oh no, what do I do? They did it again. No, He's in control. But from scriptural precedence, there is always consequences to sin. Always. And we're seeing this played out in our world today, and so often what you see is the tongue spewing the venom, don't you? You see it all over the news. You see it on the television, on social media. It's just all over that the tongue is out of control. This beast, this little creature that's barricaded behind teeth and and lips, it's out of control. And we're going to learn that it's really just a symptom of a much greater problem. And that's why we need a fearless church. We need fearless churches. We need fearless men and women, fearless students, fearless children that will say, hey, I'm going to obey the Lord. I'm going to stand in the gap. I'm going to make a difference. Because I believe the world's waiting. Because it could be our finest hour, church. It could be our finest hour in what I believe to be our nation's darkest hour. But it's up to us. It's up to you. It's up to me. What will we do next? See, as one person said, failing in itself is not the issue. It's what you do next that matters. And so as we press forward through this taming the tongue, I pray that even as we have failed, we will do so with grace and mercy and diligence. So look at verse 9 for a moment as we dive deep into the Word. And you got to remember that it's hard to get in shape spiritually if the only time you work out is on Sunday. Hard to get in shape spiritually if the only time we're working out is on Sunday spiritually. And so here's what the Word says in verse 9. With it, with the tongue, with the mouth, we bless our Lord and Father, and with it we curse people who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. Bless. What's it mean to bless? Well, here in the Greek, here's what the bless means. It, it means to praise. It means to speak blessing upon, to speak praise upon. So you got to remember that here James is speaking to his audience, which is a Jewish audience. They've been dispersed. Hey, they've been through a hard time. James chapter 1, and we love to quote it, right? Count it all joy. And we put on coffee mugs and T-shirts, toothbrushes. We put it everywhere, don't we? Count it all joy. Well, why was he saying that to the people? Well, because they were dispersed. They were going through difficult times, and they're a Jewish culture. And you got to remember this, that in the Jewish culture, when the name of God was spoken, they would respond, the Jewish culture, with, blessed be he. Like, that's just the natural response. Blessed be he. When the name of God was spoken, they would say, blessed be he. So here James is, he's pulling He's saying, look, I understand your context. I understand your point of reference. Let me pull something from this so you'll get this. And so James goes, okay, here's how we're going to deal with this. Because there obviously was an issue in James's day. You typically don't talk about issues and how to overcome the issues unless there's an issue, amen? Or unless you're just kind of weird. you got nothing else going on. So let's just talk about how to fix issues when there's no problems that need to be fixed. So obviously there was an issue here going on in this gathering, in this church. That's why he said, hey, look, time out, chapter 3, verse 1, not many of you should become teachers. You're going to be judged more strictly. Oh, by the way, 11 more verses that we're diving through here today, concluding taming the tongue, the power of the tongue. And he says, look, you understand blessing, so here it is, but I also want to talk about the cursing you're doing. 
Now, when he says curse, he's not necessarily saying that these were like sailors and they were cussing all the time. No, this is something much more deep. He's talking about the posture of their heart because when you look at this curse here, he's saying, look, with it, with the same vessel, don't miss this church, with the same vessel that you will promote and pronounce a blessing on the one you proclaim to serve, and now you'll turn around before you leave the church house and you'll curse your fellow brother. I don't know if there's any more greater contradiction in the human flesh than the tongue. I mean, just think about this. We're here today having a great time. This is awesome to praise our Lord. We just sang His praises, and within a thought, just a thought, I can at least in my mind be murdering in my heart. Jesus, you're good. God, you're good. You're awesome. You're amazing. And just boom, without any segue, I can begin to think in the data center of mind, the circus between my ears, where the ping pong match is constantly going out, I can simply see here and go, wait a minute, wait a minute. I can go from blessing to cursing just like that. And James is saying, this can't be so. You've got to have a zero tolerance policy, James is saying. What we allow to happen in our lives typically will happen in our lives. Blessing, cursing. Think about this key number one I want you to write down. Write this down, key number one in your notes. The reality is that my tongue has the power to bless with praise in one moment and then curse with deadly poison in another moment. Let me say that again. Key number one, the reality is that my tongue has the power to bless with praise in one moment and then curse with deadly poison in another moment. Who is James saying they're cursing? Well, go back up in your verse. People who are made in the likeness of God, the image of God, Genesis 1, 26 and 27. Write that down for reference that People are made in the image of God, and we're blessing Him on one hand and then cursing others. What are we doing? We are invoking, we are wishing evil upon. You guys ever done that? Like the church service is over, you get in the parking lot, some Baptist cuts you off, like going to the Golden Corral, right? And I mean, it's just, it's, this is war, right? I mean, it's game on. You're ripping off Enon Baptist Church bumper stickers because you don't want any evidence to be found at the crime scene. And it's just game on, right? I mean, this was not the plan. Like, that's my parking space. You took that last donut. I spilled my coffee. They didn't have pumpkin spice coffee. My life's a wreck. And it's just one thing after another, isn't it? And we go from blessing to pronouncing and wishing evil on those that are made in the likeness of God. Two questions that I asked myself this week, and I want to ask these out loud that you might be encouraged but greatly challenged like I was, because the reality is every one of us in this room, me at the top of the list, we have great power to do great good with our tongue. But the flip side is we have great power to do great damage with our tongue. Here's the two questions I asked myself. How often do we get honest with ourselves about how easily we can be walking in the Spirit in one moment and then walking in the flesh in another moment? I mean, how often do we really get honest? I mean, really brutally honest. Just looking in the mirror, not looking at the person next to us, our wife or spouse, a friend, the co-worker, that person that you're convinced is a spawn of Satan. You're like convinced. You're positive. That's them. No, just looking at self, going, God, search me. Like, search me, oh God. Try me, O God. See if there's any wicked way in me, O God. Put me under the microscope. Put me on the operating table. Because the rationalized, justified, acceptable sins are there. And the tongue is one of them. These are not just like idiosyncrasies that we like to just... Sweep them away. That's just how he is. That's just how she is. 
No, it's sin. Let's call it what it is. Identify it. Bring it to the light. That's where the healing begins. The culture of any organization will be that which you allow to be tolerated. So if, if sin, if backbiting, if gossip, if slander is kind of the norm of the day, that's what you're going to get. Number two, how often are the conflicts that we have in our lives a result of the people around us doing what we want them to do? Let me read that one again. So here's number two question. How often are the conflicts that we have in our lives a result of the people around us doing what we want them to do? How many times have you walked away from a conflict and you're Man, I'm trying to figure out. I'm just racking my brain. What could I have done better? What went well? What didn't go well? And, and then you're sitting there praying 40 days and 40 nights. And man, you're, you're just literally going at this thing. And all of a sudden you go, bonk. I know exactly what it was. These people are doing exactly what I want them to do for me. Well, of course you don't say that. I don't say that. What happens in my flesh when there's a conflict? Many times it is someone's not doing what I want them to do, and boy, I get riled up, don't I? I get stirred up. Well, it's the me monster. It's, it's me universe, me planet, right? Planet me. World revolves around me. Where do wars and fights come from, James says? It's the evil desires that burn within you. Or selfishness and envy are. Confusion and every evil thing are there. Those are two questions that really resonated in my mind. How often do I get honest and open and go, man, I can cross this center line in my life so easily. Blessing, 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 poof, cursing, cursing, cursing. And how often do I really get upset because people are doing what I want them to do? The real question is, how often am I getting upset because people aren't doing what I want them to do? It's amazing how the self-life, the enemy of self, will begin to, to devour us. That's why there in Matthew 7, I want you to write this down, Matthew 7, verse 16, it's the Sermon on the Mount, and just listen for a moment to the parallel that you see there in your Bible. Look in your Bible for, for a second there in James 3, 11, and 12, and look at the parallel here. Look at this. So as I read this out loud, Matthew 7, here's Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5, 6, and 7, Three chapters. That was a long sermon, amen? I mean, that's three chapters of a really, really long sermon, the greatest sermon ever preached. And here's what he says in Matthew 7, verse 16. Jesus speaking here, you will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? You see the parallel here? You got Jesus speaking, James talking to a Jewish audience, and you see these comparisons going on. That's why we need some practical biblical advice, amen? If you're here today going, you know what, man, the Holy Spirit's speaking to me, and I can't wait for this Taming the Tongue series to be over. That's what I'm praying for. I'm praying for this to be over. Like, this has just been painful. Well, join the club, amen? We're all in this together. This is all a struggle. Just get honest and open. We all deal with this. But the reality is we need biblical counsel, don't we? You don't need my opinion on this. You need the Word of God. I need the Word of God. So write these verses down under key number one. Here we go. Galatians 5.16. So Galatians 5.16, Paul's talking to the church in Galatia. And he says this, but I say, walk. So he's saying, I want you to live. How? By the Spirit, capital S. And you will do what? You will not gratify the desires of the flesh. So if you're here today and you're like, I mean, the Holy Spirit is coming off the top rope with an elbow on me right now regarding this tongue. I need help. I want help. I want to get this thing under control. Right there it is. See, the reason that our mouths go in overdrive is because we're not walking in the Spirit in that moment. Boy, I'm so glad you're doing what I want, and that's why I'm mad at you. No, you're not doing what I want, and man, this is war, all in the name of Jesus. And we begin to throw down, and we begin to hurt, and we begin to throw daggers, and it cuts like a knife. Right here it is. If we walk, live according to the capitalist spirit, we are under his control. When we're not under his control, here's what we're doing. We're quenching and we're grieving. And when we quench and when we grieve, here's what happens. We now begin to say things that are not of the Lord. Because what's in our heart will come out. 
We're going to walk according to the Spirit, not according to the flesh. We won't gratify it. You've got to remember the flesh, the me monster, the me planet, the me universe, the self-life, the enemy of self, whatever you want to call it, is constantly sitting there going, feed me. Like, just feed me. Like, bring it on. Feed me. And if I give in to that, what happens is I'm feeding the beast. The Holy Spirit's like, hey, feed me. Feed me. Walk with me is what he's saying. Walk under my guidance, and I will lead you in a way that will not lead to the destruction and the carnage. And by the way, there's always destruction and carnage in the power of the tongue, isn't there? How about Ephesians? So write down Ephesians now. So Ephesians 5, so Paul talks to the church in Galatia. Now he's talking to the church in Ephesus. Ephesians 5, 15 and 16. Here's what he says. Look carefully. So here's what he's saying. He's saying, examine, inspect, look carefully, then how you walk. There's that word again, how you live. Look carefully how you live. Not just about going to the store, not just about what you buy, but what we also say. That's part of life, how we live. Look carefully. Pause. Ponder. Go slowly. How you walk, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise. Making the best use of the time. Why? Why should we make the best use of the time, or some translations say, redeeming the time? Why should we do that? Well, the days are evil, amen? Like, if you don't know the days are evil, you must be living under a rock because the days are evil. We are in perilous, troubling days. But we got to remember this, church. The light of the gospel doesn't shine the brightest where it's the brightest. It always shines the brightest where it's the darkest. So we actually have a great opportunity. We have an incredible opportunity. We have this treasure, this gospel in jars of clay, broken pots, cracked pots is what we are. We have this power of the gospel that's within us. Why? So that the message of the gospel and the power of the gospel will not be of you and me, but it will be clearly seen of God. Amen? And a lost and dying, broken world that's hurting and confused. There's confusion, there's delusion, there's deception. It's all around us that as we promote the gospel, and we say, man, here's the answer. Here's the answer. He's always been the answer. He's the answer now, and He forever be the answer. His name is Jesus Christ. I mean, just think about this. At some point, the brokenness of the world is going to look at me and you, and if we're living a life, not perfect, but we're living a life that's stumbling forward, that's pressing forward in Christ, at some point, they're going to look at me and you and go, look, I've tried every other option. I've tried addiction. I've tried whatever in my life, and here it is. I know that you have peace. You have joy. I don't know what you have, but I want what you have, and now we've got an open door. We've got an open door to show the coworkers tomorrow at work that Jesus lives in your life. To show them. Live it. Walk it out. I love what 1 Peter tells us as well. Write that down under key number one. 1 Peter 5. 1 Peter 5, verse 8. 1 Peter 5, verse 8. Be sober-minded. Clear-headed is what that means. Be watchful. Don't miss that. Be watchful. Why? There's always a why. Remember we talked about this last week? When Scripture says, do this, there's typically going to be a why statement that follows. Be clear-minded. Be watchful. Why? Nothing else going on? Bored? No. Here's the why. Your adversary, your accuser, the enemy, Satan himself, the devil, he prowls. He prowls, doesn't he? Boy, he's so covert, isn't he? He prowls around like a roaring lion. Isn't that interesting? He's prowling like a roaring lion. When you watch lions who can really roar, prowl, they don't roar while they are prowling. Have you noticed this? Boy, they're covert, they're stealth, they're trying to sneak in. It's just like the enemy himself, right? He comes to kill, steal, and destroy the father of all lies. And what does he do? He doesn't just ring your doorbell and go, hey, ding dong, I'm here. Good to see you today. Now, what does he do? He finds a chink in my armor and your armor, and he slowly begins to prowl. And just like that African lion, 
that 500-pound beast. It's going through the African brush. And as his paws are designed by our great God, that he walks on that brush and you don't even hear him. Until what? Until it's too late. And he's on top of his prey. This is exactly what Peter is talking about here. Exactly. Be sober, be clear-minded, be vigilant. Be on your guard. Can't be asleep at the wheel with this stuff. We are in a battle. I told us this last week. We are in a battle. We are in a fight, not a fashion show. The Christian life is a battleground, not a playground. We are in a battle. If you take this thing casually, you will get decimated. Your family will get decimated. You have to go on the offensive. You're listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. All of Pastor Couch's messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. In addition, you can share your prayer requests with us via email. Our email address for prayer requests is prayer at thisdayministries.org. That's prayer at thisdayministries.org. And now, back to This Day in the Word with Pastor John Couch. I made a a note here as well. I was just thinking through this thought of, you know, if you have a physical disease, like what happens if you go to the doctor and they say, hey, you have X disease? Maybe some of you have, and if you have, my heart goes out to you. But what do you do when the doctor says, hey, you have X disease? You go, hey, it's great. Do you go, okay, fine. Do you look at him or her and say, no big deal? No, what do you do? I mean, what do you just do? You you go, what's the game plan? How are we going to attack this? How do we want to defeat this? Why don't we do the same thing on the spiritual walk? We have this disease. It's called the tongue. We'll bless in one moment, curse in another. And so often we go, "Ah, that's no big deal. Eh, no biggie. Meanwhile, people are getting destroyed all along the way. We got to go on the offensive. This is how this works. You got to kill that sin. Otherwise, it will kill you and me. We can't manage the sin. Otherwise, the sin will manage us. We got to go on the offensive with this. I can remember when I was, I just graduated college and I went out in the the business world and I was with uh, my boss. I can remember this just like it was yesterday. And we were riding around visiting clients and, uh, I can remember, I knew he was coming into town, so I like, I like got out the vacuum cleaner, and like I was just vacuuming like every leaf, every Dorito, right? Every chocolate chip cookie crumb in my car. I mean, I, was, I wanted this thing to be spotless because I knew the boss was coming to town, right? And so, I mean, I was just vacuuming, and it took like hours upon hours. I'm vacuuming just meticulously, right? And then we went on this venture together, visiting clients, and I mean, I was on my best behavior, right? I just put my best forward, and I got to thinking about that this past week, about the Christian life, that the Holy Spirit indwells me and you, the true believer, and how often do we just casually ride around town with Him? Just casually, just not a big deal, don't worry about the sin Doritos all over the floor and all the challenges and all the baggage going on in my life. It's okay. We just never address it. No wonder, no wonder we're in this predicament. God's blessing comes from obedience. And if we live in apathy and indifference, it's like the ball coach who asked his team and they were just struggling. I mean, they were struggling. They were just a bunch of clowns. They couldn't win a ball game. And he asked them, he got frustrated one day at halftime. He said, what's wrong with you? Is it apathy or indifference? It was quiet in the room. And one guy piped up in the back. He said, coach, I don't know and I don't care. So many times we live the Christian life like that, don't we? Because why? We're blinded. We're deceived. If you're really in Christ, you'll want to live for Christ. It's that simple. And the mouth will want it to be under the control of, to submit to, to give glory and praise to God. Because so often it's, it's all about a habit we do, right? We just go to church, we're there Sunday morning, Sunday night. We even throw in a church work day to get some bonus points from Jesus, right? And we're just kind of there a little extra. And there we are, we're just kind of working for God out of habit. And no, he's not looking for your habits, he's looking for your heart. 
But we do this thing backwards. We go, well, let me get my habits down, and then maybe we might consider giving him our hearts. He's looking for your life. He's not looking for you to raise the hand, say the prayer, do the cartwheel, sign the card, get dunked. He's looking for a life that says, man, I understand my brokenness. I see my sin for what it is. I see my sin for how you see it, God. And it's clear to me that that you hate my sin and and I got to go to war against my sin because if I continue to dabble around with it, it's going to kill me. That's why 10b, verse 10, part b, says it like this as James makes this emphatic statement. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. So he's a little ticked off here. And then he drives the point home by giving these illustrations. He rips the scab off, so to speak. Just makes it very clear. It's like, okay, you guys, you can't get this. Let me give you some absurd illustrations here to try to make my point. He says this in verse 11, does a spring or a fountain, in some translations, pour forth from the same opening both fresh and salt water? That'd be pretty weird, wouldn't it, if it was doing that? Verse 12, can a fig tree, fig tree, my brothers, bear olives? Be kind of weird. A grapevine produce figs, really weird. And then he just puts the bow, here it is, sums it up, ties the bow neatly. Neither, look at that, neither can a salt pond yield fresh water. Is there any more contradiction? That's his point here. He's being absurd for a reason. He's like, do you get this? Are you understanding this, Jewish believer, Jewish audience, us today? Do you get this? Do you see the power in the tongue that it will wield? It will destroy. It will destroy our families, our marriages, our relationships with our children, at church, on the ball team, at business. It will destroy. If we're not on the offensive here, again, not our habits, but our heart. My brothers, these things ought not to be so. In other words, don't allow this mixed bag of blessing and cursing into your life. Just think about that for a moment. I mean, isn't this so true? I mean, we're here today, and isn't this so true? I know it is in my life that that I can bless in one moment, and I can curse in the next. I can be praising the Lord in one moment, and then the mind and the heart can be bitter. It can be unforgiving. It can be jealous. It can be envious, and here it goes. In just one brief moment, this little beast, this vessel, that the bit that he showed us earlier, like the horse is controlled. The rudder in the big ship is controlled by such a small vessel. The tongue in the body, so small in comparison, it controls wherever we go. That's why key number two, our last key, is so important. So here it is, key number two. Write it down, key number two. Ultimately, my tongue will say whatever I allow it to say. Key number two, ultimately, my tongue will say whatever I allow it to say. You say, what do you mean? Well, here it is. We have a saying in our house, goes something like this. You do what you really want to do. Can I get an amen on that one? Isn't that true? Like if I want to go to the ball game and it takes nine hours to get there and it's snowing and sleeting and freezing rain, I'll sit there for three hours smiling, just smiling, peachy smile, drive nine hours to get home. I've just spent what? Well, a lot of time because I wanted to do it. If I don't want to do something, I will find every reason not to do it. I will make up excuses, I'll rationalize, justify, but I will crawl over glass to do what I want to do. That's how we're wired. We're we're very internally focused. Well, here's the deal. My tongue is no exception. And so if you're here today and if your tongue is out of control, this is not a tongue issue. This is a heart issue. If your tongue today is out of control... This is not a tongue issue. Now, the enemy would want you to think it is. He always wants us to attack the symptom, not the root of the problem. If the tongue right now is a struggle in your life, this is not a tongue issue. This is a heart issue. It all goes back to what's in my heart. Here it is, God's word, not my opinion, God's word. The heart is deceitful. Okay, wait a minute. So so the heart, not the human fleshly heart, but who we are as a person, our heart, what's in us, 
is deceitful. Okay, so not a good springboard thought, amen, but a true thought. The heart is deceitful above how many things? Some things? Couple things? Oh, I get it. Three quarters of the things, right? No, it's above all things. It's deceitful. And now he adds an and on here is desperately sick. Who can understand it? So my heart, your heart, every one of us, there's no one excluded from this. All of our hearts are deceitful. So we are predisposed to deceit. Well, that looks good on a resume, doesn't it? Can you imagine putting on the top of your resume? You're trying to get hired. Hey, what are you good at? Man, I'm really deceitful and I'm really desperately sick. Hey, where do we hire you? You're awesome. I mean, just think about this, but that's the reality of who we are. That's the raw reality. That's why we need the cross. See, the cross is an example and the empty tomb's example that we can't fix ourselves. That's the whole point. Can't fix yourself. I can't fix me. I'm a train wreck. And that's on a good day. When things are clicking, I'm a train wreck. This is the point. We got to start taking off the church, no pun intended, church mask. Probably a bad illustration, amen? We just kind of put on our Sunday costumes. Here we go to church, right? Here we go. You know, everything's great, always smiling, always joyful. When our life's in absolute shambles. I mean, the cars is getting repossessed. We've been served divorce papers. I mean, it's a disaster. How you doing? I'm doing great. Praise Jesus. It's okay to say, man, I'm struggling. It's okay to say this because that's the whole point. Because when we do that, we're getting honest and open and real. And now God can do a work in our lives. But if we continue the charade and just, hey, whatever, great, God's not going to bless that. Two more questions. Here they are. Are we going to war daily regarding taming the tongue? Just think about that. Are you going to war? Do you have a game plan? Do you have a battle plan? I'm going to tame this tongue. How? I got a plan in place to kill it, to go to war. Number two, are we taking our own accountability seriously? We talked before about having someone be an accountability partner. That's an awesome thing. But here's where this thing can go off the rails. I've seen this happen with almost 20 years of men's ministry. I see this happen in dudes' lives. They'll say, hey, I had an accountability partner, but he didn't hold me accountable. And so that's why I'm in the mess I'm in. You know what that's called? That's called blame shifting and that's sin. We got to get to the point where we are self-accountable. Do we want someone holding us accountable? Amen. But if you're serious about your faith, you will take yourself and its accountability seriously. You'll say, I want to be accountable. I don't want to live this life. I'm just floating through life. Miserable. With a tongue that begins to do its desperately, dastardly deeds. How about Romans 7.23? Write this down. So Paul writes here, Romans 7.23 he gets really honest and open in Romans 7. Read that whole chapter later. Just powerful. Here's what he says. But I see in my members, talking about his body, not church members. But I see in my members another law waging war against the law of my mind. Don't miss this. This is where it is. It's the battlefield of the mind. This is where we make the decisions. The heart, as we already established from Jeremiah, is predisposed to sin. No one in this room has to be told how to sin or to desire to sin. You don't have to tell me. I'm really good at it. I know what I'm doing in this regard. But here, the data center now acts on it. So you have the feelings and the emotions, and you go, okay, I'm going to act on it. Remember that works and faith go hand in hand. And it's not just intellectual, just not emotional, but there's an act of the will for obedience. Are we sayers of the word or are we obeyers of the word is the question. Making me captive to the law of sin that dwells in my members. And lastly, Matthew 15, 18. But what comes out of the mouth proceeds from the heart and this defiles a person. So what comes out of the mouth comes out of my heart, your heart. When we say what we say and there are bullets and there are daggers, we don't go back and say, I didn't mean it because we actually did. We said it. It was in there. We were trying to inflict. We were trying to put self over someone else, whatever it might be. And we say these things to, to cut and, and to tear down. And, and so often we're so hurting, so broken that it's just a reflex, isn't it? Well, you punch me, I punch back, right? And that's how we're wired as humans. God says it's a different way. There's the best way. His name's Jesus. He makes all things new. You walk in freedom as he, by the power of the Holy Spirit, will control the tongue. 
Spurgeon said it like this. I love this. Spurgeon said like this. He said it would be a monstrosity. I love that. A monstrosity, a thing to be wondered at and stared at as a natural and absurd. I love that. And stared at as a natural and absurd. If a fig tree, here we go, started bearing olive berries and is just as unnatural for a Christian to live in sin. Can he so live as to bear the fruits of iniquity instead of the fruits of righteousness? God forbid that it should be so. See, when we have a low view of sin, church, we will have a low view of obedience. Think about this. So when our view of sin is, well, that's not that big a deal, and you know, it's my life, and and I can do what I want, I'm not hurting anybody, even though it's going against God's word, and we know it. General revelation is very clear, Romans 1. Uh, we, we, know, we, we know we're doing wrong, but we want to rebel, hard heart, stiff-necked, brazen forehead, a callousness is there. A low view of the sin will always be a low view of obedience. A high view of sin, we look at it as God sees it, and we go, that's how God views my sin. That's how he views my tongue was out of control. And now I want to be obedient to him. Do you see how these two go hand in hand? And when we see our lives through God's lens, man, we change the whole game, don't we? It's no longer about accepting Jesus. I hear this all the time. In all my travels, accept Jesus. I, I get the point. I've even said it before. You hear what I say. Just talked to a guy on the phone this past week. He said, hey, I want Jesus. And I walked him through the process and said, hey, are you ready to give your life to Jesus? And I walked him through, this is what it's going to cost, like everything, not fire insurance, not just going around the Monopoly board of life a couple times and collecting 200. No, this isn't Humpty Dumpty Christianity, Mr. Rogers. I mean, this is serious business. This is a war we're in, not against flesh and blood, Ephesians 6, 10 and following, but you know what we're in here. And as you see this in your life and my life, we see very clearly that our view of God, our view of sin, we must see God for who He is, holy and righteous and on His throne. And we got to see sin for how He sees it. No, we ask Him to accept us. Now, what will that do in our lives if we turn this thing around? I accepted Jesus. Okay, what does that even mean anymore? How about they say this to you? I asked Jesus to accept me. Whoa, whoa, you asked Jesus to accept you? Yeah, I saw me for who I really am. I'm in dire need of the blood of Jesus Christ in my life. He'd wash it over my soul and atone for my sin. I just, Jesus, will you accept me? Do you see what's going to happen in that life now as you go forward? Versus, hey, I'm going to accept Jesus and just put him on my trophy case with all my other trophies. And then we wonder why. We just kind of scratch our heads and go, why is our country falling apart? Why is my family in shambles? Obedience brings the blessing. Disobedience brings the curse. Takeaway question, here it is. Takeaway question. When people walk away from hearing me talk, are they encouraged or are they discouraged? Just think about that. I mean, have you ever processed that? I was thinking this past week, when people walk away from me in a conversation, do they walk away going, wow, I was encouraged. I was, I was challenged, but man, I was encouraged. I was strengthened. I was uplifted. Or do they walk away going, I'm exhausted. Like, I'm, I'm just utterly exhausted. I can't catch my breath here. This is, that was miserable. All the complaining we do, the whining, the belly aching, being sullen. People wonder, well, complaining's not a big deal, really. How about Numbers 11.1? Here's what God thinks about complaining. Numbers 11.1, and the people, the kids of Israel, that ragtag bunch that just wandered in a small area for 40 years, disobeying, 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 and the people complained in the hearing of the Lord about their misfortunes. And when the Lord heard it, so he's listening, his anger was kindled, not a good thing, if you're wondering, bad thing to have the great God of the Bible being angry at me and you, kindling his anger. And the fire of the Lord burned among them and consumed some on the outlying parts of the camp. <laughs> Do you get this? Isn't this wild? And so often, isn't this so true, this next thought, the complaining has happened. We're just complaining, complaining, woe is me. You know, we're just kind of kicking the ground. and you know, Life's horrible and it's miserable. But victory in Jesus. Man, you know, I, I don't like that. It's too hot, it's too cold. I don't like that song. Victory in Jesus. 
And then people look at us and go, I, I'm not buying what you're selling. Doesn't mean we're always just bouncing off the walls. No, because we're real and honest and open. But there should be an overarching joy in our lives, even in the midst of the struggle. That we go, this is lousy, this stinks, I don't like it, comma, my God's got this. I don't know what he's doing in my life. I don't know what he's pruning, trying to show me in this trial, but, but I'm going to embrace the affliction. I'm not going to waste the pain. I'm going to look to God and go, God, I know you're working. I know it's for my good, for your glory. I know you're going to do something amazing. I don't know about you, but if I saw someone acting like that, it'd be like, uh, give me all your contact information because I want to hang around with you the rest of my life. I mean, that's inspiring, isn't it? But we complain. And right there it is. God hates complaining. He hates it. At times, not always, but at times what we despise in others is actually a character flaw of our own. You ever thought about that? You got someone maybe today and you're just like, oh, I can't stand that person. They are driving me absolutely nuts. And so often we, me, you are just like them in many instances, aren't we? See, that's why the action step is so critical. Here it is, action step. In everything that I say, not some things, but in everything that I say, I will intentionally seek to be a blessing to God and to others. Write it down. Here it is, action step. In everything that I say, I will intentionally seek. You got to go to war. Intentionally seek to be a blessing to God and to others. You won't stumble into this. This doesn't happen. We just don't stumble into blessing God and others on a repetitive basis. You got to go to war. You got to intentionally say, hey, this is day X and I'm struggling with X, but hey, I've gotten to 12 days in a row, and I'm looking for 13. And 13, day 13, you will not have the final word in my life. You won't have it. Why? Because God has the final word in my life. So we've got to ask those three things. Remember, in every conversation, we're about to talk. Is it kind? Is it helpful? And is it necessary? Is it kind? Is it helpful? Is it necessary? Practice the pause. Say, hey, I'm going to just pause. I'm count to 10 before I blow my stack. And once you get to nine, usually it's kind of like, okay, I'm feeling a little better about this. That's why Paul Tripp made a statement here this past week that I read, and it really impacted me as a leader. And I pray I'll impact you as a leader because we're all leaders. Someone's looking at us in some regard. He said this, our definition of a leader is a strong personality, quick-witted, a forceful, domineering, able to win the day in discussion or argument, can cast the vision and collect people. And then he said this, and this stung hard. He said, no wonder we produced a culture of ministry bullies. Isn't that good? Well, that hit hard. Because that's what we look for, don't we? Remember, we want the guy who, you know, just has it all together and collects the crowd, and we worship him, and we praise him. The devil's on the corner going, man, this is way too easy, by the way. You just keep worshiping that dude. And the reality is, man, whoever stands here is broken and sinful. I'm broken and sinful. Don't look to me. Look to Jesus. I can't save me. I can't save you. But Jesus can do both. And as we think through that, we we got to understand that so many times, and this is, I see it happen in men's ministry over these almost 20 years of, of ministering to men, that when there's that craving to be in control, so often it's a billboard showing everyone else their life is out of control. Well, i got to be in control because everything else is out of control. And so many times as I've processed this, not in every instance, but in many instances, it goes back to a, a broken relationship with a dad. A broken relationship with a dad. There's such an insecurity there that there's just a craving and a hunger. But I want to be liked. I want to be accepted. I want to be in control. Do you understand this? If that's you here today, that you have a heavenly dad who will do infinitely what your earthly dad is not doing or has never done. That's the one we look to. That's where our hope is. That's where my identity and my security is. My hope and my identity and security is not in this life. I've learned that. My hope and my identity and security is all wound up in Jesus. And as we rest in Him, prayerfully our tongue will begin to be under control. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 as I close. Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight 
and the sin, the sin that so easily ensnares, the sin of the tongue that so easily ensnares, it gets in there and it roots, doesn't it? But with the big, big sins, we can typically cast those off, but it's these rationalized, respectable sins that they begin to intertwine and we're caught in the cords of sin. It's in our heart. It's in every crevice. And so easily, closely clings, it says. And the sin which closely, it clings. And let us run with endurance. Here we go. A marathon, not a sprint. Endurance. Day by day, moment by moment. Just do the next thing. The race that's set before us. Looking to Jesus. I love this. Just looking to the King. Looking to Jesus. Don't look at your circumstances. Don't look at your failures. Don't look at what's in front of you. Just look to Jesus. The author, the founder, the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and now is seated at the right hand of the Father. Amen. Is your tongue, is it a blessing? Or truthfully, is your tongue a curse? I pray today as the Holy Spirit speaks to my heart and your heart that, that we won't leave here today until we surrender everything to Him and say, God, have your own way, have your own way. Father, we love You. We give You glory. We give You praise. God, I just lift up Your Word today. I pray that as the Holy Spirit's speaking right now, God, don't allow the enemy to have sway any longer. God, don't allow us to rationalize and justify, but just to get honest and open, say, you know what? This is a real area of of repentance in my life that I need. And revival without repentance is not true revival. All moves of you, God, in the revival arena require heartfelt, cut-to-the-heart repentance. Oh, God, bend us, break us today. Don't allow us to be the same as we came in here. Mold us and make us, change us, God that we might give you all the praise, give you all the glory as we be disciples that go and make disciples all for the fame of your name. God, we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name and all God's people said, amen, amen. You've been listening to This Day in the Word, the radio teaching ministry of This Day Ministries. Don't forget that all of these messages are archived and are free to download at thisdayministries.org. That's thisdayministries.org. In addition, if you have been blessed by the teaching of God's Word during This Day in the Word, we would love to hear from you. Our email address is info at thisdayministries.org. Thanks again for listening as we strive to honor Christ and impact our world as we spend this day in the Word.